Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. On this show, we cover some sensitive topics. Though the obituaries may be outlandish, the people are real. Names have been changed or omitted in order to respect both the deceased and the survived by. While death is no laughing matter, some petty last words can provide some pretty entertaining comic relief. Welcome to Obituary. Welcome back to Obituary. I'm Henry Spencer. And I'm Reyes Madison. Ooh, switching things up. You guys weren't expecting it, were you? We like to keep you on your toes. We know what you like. We really do. God, welcome back to you, Madison. Welcome back to the city life. Oh my God, I've been off the grid. She has been off-roading. I was in Yosemite just living the life. It was the most beautiful trip I've ever taken. Mm. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Didn't think I was going to be able to go because two days before that, I fell, (laughs) rolled my ankle on a neighbor's lawn. Can we start a petition, please, for Madison to get surgery? I'll be out. I won't be able to record. Oh, I will be in that hospital room and I will be like, sorry, she's got to work, babe. Ain't no, no rest for the wicked. But listen to this. I hiked six miles the first day, 11 miles the second day. No ankle problems. It's... Just a champ. Also in Yosemite, they have the Awani Hotel, which was beautiful. We walked through it, had a couple drinks there. And it is, I read, the hotel that a lot of the shining is based on off of like the lobby looks very similar the elevators look very similar it's crazy because there's like three hotels that I the know. shining is um, i'm like every hotel is the the shining is based i know off of. isn't there one in like colorado or something well that's... yeah it's based off of one in seattle too i guess who fucking oh, knows my but good you brought me presents this time well i did there were a lot of cute things in the gift shop but i had a fanny pack and was like 
it has to fit. You know what mom always says, if it don't fit in the fanny, we're leaving it behind. Sorry. Exactly. But you got me the cutest little badge, Junior Park Ranger Yosemite, and it says my name on Ah! it. It's so cool, and I genuinely love it. I'm going to put it in my wallet and flash it like a badge when I go places. Perfect. You get pulled over. Hi. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm actually a junior ranger. Yeah. Yeah. Just on some official park business. Yes. You got Hot Dog a little patch for her denim vest. Yes. Showing beauty in nature. The cutest little Yosemite. Oh, my God. I saw another snake while I was there. You didn't even tell me that. Oh, my God. It was a little black and yellow snake. It was just like a little garter snake or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And that little sucker was fast, and I almost had a heart attack Ah. when I saw it. But, you know, I'm slowly, slowly becoming okay Okay. with everything. Still go on the trail now. If I see a snake, I see a snake. Speaking of the trail... All right, you know I love the show Yellowstone. Uh-huh. Oh, tell them about your 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 torrid oh, affair. Honey. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was walking the dogs and a cowboy rode up. He was on his horse trotting by and he took his hat off and he looked just like this character. Oh my god, he's Who is just it? a dream. His name is Rip in Yellowstone. He kind of looked like him and he rode by and he looked at me, took his hat off, <sighs> nodded, and then just rode off into the sunset. Nothing hotter. Oh my God. I even told my husband, he was like, wow, good for you. <laughs> You're like, I'm, if he invites me on that horse, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably break that horse's back. But <laughs> <laughs> we know horses aren't too keen on you. Yeah, they tend to bite me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Oh. I wish I would have known about this last episode, Spencer, but I was looking for jobs. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Bye. No, I, I stumbled upon an article about an occupation, and this occupation was very popular during the Industrial Revolution, and it reminded me of me waking you up last week or whenever you went to Chicago, and this occupation is called a knocker upper. This was because, you know, a long time ago, there were no such thing as alarm clocks. So you would hire a knocker upper. They would stand outside of your window and they would shoot dried peas through <laughs> like a straw called a blow gun at your window. And then for taller windows, they would use like long sticks and bang on the window to wake you up. And it kind of stopped, I think, in like the 1920s. But some people still had this profession well into the 1970s. Wow. I would hire one today. I was going to say, out of everything, a landscaper, a house cleaner, everyone can go. I want a knocker knocker upper. upper. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I know. No more setting 500 alarms. My Mm. knocker upper didn't wake me up. No. And Madison and I both have this thing where we can just sleep through just about anything. And I was actually, I've told you about this before. When I used to like, (laughs) when I used to have a job in the real world, before our blockbuster hit (laughs) podcast, I would have to go to like shoots and stuff. And those have 
to be up and going at like five in the morning. Yeah. So I downloaded this app called Spin Me. And you guys, if you have trouble, it's the best thing because it's an alarm on your phone that you cannot turn off. You have to stand up and place both your thumbs on it and spin in a circle twice for it to turn off. There's no way around it. Like yeah. you can't, I've tried everything. You can't spin around in bed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I looked like the fucking, who's the exorcist? Like Linda, Linda Blair, Blair sitting in bed, like trying to spin in a 360 <laughs> circle to turn it off. And I couldn't do it. It knows. God, it knows. We've looked at, we've talked about all the different alarms. Like the one that shocks you. Yeah. And you I get used to it. I saw a TikTok the other day of this girl who got like, it's called like the sonic boom or something <gasps> alarm clock. Oh and supposedly God. it's like crazy. Ugh. We need it. Need it. You know, my sister is like us. Like after she had kids, she'll wake up for stuff. But when she was like in high school, a house exploded at the end of our street. What? And she slept through it. <laughs> a and literal it, explosion. Yeah, it was um the house. I don't know if there were like mafia ties. I don't know. But oh, we're starting rumors. I don't know. It was some something. And like the guy got home and went up to his door to open the door. And it was like connected to his. Like a detonator? Yeah. And he like opened up the door and just the house blew. Did he die? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. That is some mafia shit. It was a whole thing. I'm sure we could find articles about it. Yes. But um, my sister was just snoozing (laughs) the whole time. I don't even think I was born yet. Oh, my God. That's insane. Wild. Let us know if you've slept through anything crazy, Geoffs. I know. One thing we don't want you to sleep through is our Thursday, August 4th live Live show show. (laughs) that we're going to we're going to fucking keep on plugging it till it happens. Oh, yes, we are just so excited we are getting closer and closer we got to order our wardrobe we have our outfits planned and there are still tickets available last we checked barely barely i know i I, my family is like when is it you know like when we first announced it and i was like i don't know if i want you guys there And they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, I don't mean that. That I oh, I obviously want you guys there, but I'm like, I'm going to be nervous, you know? <sighs> if they're there. If they're there. My family, I think some of them are coming. And my sister was texting me like, Grandpa wants to know about the live show. <laughs> and I was like, I know they know about Cult Leader because I've been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. And I know they know a little bit about obituary, but mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, does he fully know she's like i didn't know if you what to say because i didn't know and i was like oh he can come but just no and she's like i told him like you guys talk about death erections and stuff and yeah. he was like great let's go oh god grandpa so who love knows it. we might have some grandpa sightings god <laughs> love him i know my family totally got it they were like no we totally got it and then my sister who is not a singer was like yeah if i had like a singing performance <laughs> Um, I definitely get it. Like, I wouldn't want you guys there. And we're like, we all looked at her like, uh, if you you're guys not knew, a singer. 
If you guys knew this sister, she is a ham. A ham and a half. A ham and a half. And she she would put herself in that scenario. I love it. God, I love love her. Okay, wait. I got the best email the other day. Well, we got the best email. This email says, hey, Spencer and Madison and Hot Dog. So I've been listening to obituary. (laughs) Sorry. No love for Desi and Doris. I know. Come on, guys. (laughs) So I've been listening to obituary from the beginning and just finished your episode. I'm doing the breast I can. And Madison's dumb. (laughs) What are our titles? Madison's dumb criminal who thought ashes were coke reminded me of a story from when I was younger. Uh Uh-oh. So when I was 18, I'd been asked to dog sit for a young couple at my parents' church. Of course I said yes, and I also invited my boyfriend over to come meet the cute dogs. Being young and nosy, we decided to set off on an adventure through the house, looking for anything scandalous we could find. (gasps) Babysitter behavior, baby. Love it. I know. I know. We, you guys know we're big voyeurs on this show. <laughs> we especially are. Especially Madison. I was talking about that on the Bachelorette trip. I was like, hey guys, if you could have a superpower, like, what would it be? And I was like, mine would be invisible. I would love to go walk into that cabin right now. <laughs> and they're like, oh. So they're going through the house looking for anything scandalous. And we found your basics. Condoms, fuzzy handcuffs, lingerie. But we were convinced there was more. Knowing this couple was religious, we figured if they had any sex toys, they'd be well hidden. And that's when we found a small wooden box screwed shut. Wow, we thought, this is a lot of commitment to hiding a dildo. However, after hunting around and finally finding a screwdriver, opening the box, and unwrapping the tissue paper covering a small package, we realized that this was not in fact a dildo. We just violated someone's ashes. (laughs) (gasps) Oh no! No! We quickly put everything back together, returned them to their resting place on a shelf, and left ASAP. Anyways, that's my story. Holy shit. I'm both a cult member and a geoff, and I just wanted to thank you both for all that you do. I've never considered myself a podcast girly, but y'all have changed my mind entirely. Keep being awesome. Oh my gosh, girly. Welcome to the podcasting world, girly. And if we're all you got, well... We love you. You're in a pretty good spot, we'll say. (laughs) Exactly. You found the best podcast. Love that. Thank you. I love that. A few Geoff sent us this article that I have just got to read because you know we love animals here. It is a duck that helped solve a murder case. Excuse me? Yes. Wait, hold on. Quack, quack, quack. (laughs) Quack, quack, quack. This is from NBC News. Wow. Yes. Credible. Very. Pet duck leads police to body of missing woman. (gasps) Granddaughter charged with murder. Ooh. A pet duck led police to crack the case of a missing North Carolina grandmother who vanished over two years ago and led to murder charges against the victim's granddaughter and grandson-in-law, officials said. Angela Wamsley, 46, and Mark Allen Barnes, 50, were charged with first-degree murder (gasps) Thursday in the death of Wamsley's grandmother, Nellie Sullivan. Officials say Sullivan 
Robin would be 93 today if she were still alive. She disappeared sometime in 2020. We do not have a definitive date when she was killed, said a spokesperson for the Buncombe County Sheriff's Office. However, police believe she had been dead for multiple years. Wamsley and Barnes had been under investigation in connection with Sullivan's death since December of 2020. At first, they were arrested on a variety of charges from animal cruelty to drug possession. Oh, the duck fucking found that shit out and was like, oh, we're going. We are going. But by December 2021, Barnes had been charged with concealing a death and Wamsley had received the same charge on January 7th, 2021. A breakthrough in the case came on April 14th when a pet duck dashed under a trailer, which led its owners to discover a container holding Sullivan's body. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it was it was the granddaughter who fucking did it. That is fucking sane. Animals insane. That is so, so sane. That is so sane that a duck solved a murder. <laughs> <laughs> Good job on that little duck. God, I love that. Good for the... That duck should start a podcast. (laughs) Really? Imagine. Really should. Get with the... The Aflac. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Sponsor. Every sponsor is just Aflac. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, I have some Am I the Assholes for Us. God, love it. And this first one, I just know we're going to agree on already. And it says, Am I the asshole for calling my stepfather dad in front of my late father's mother? It says, My biological parents got divorced when I, 17 female, was about two years old. My older sister, 21, and I visited him on the weekends and spent part of our summers with him and his family until he unexpectedly passed away from an overdose when I was in fifth grade. My mother got remarried to my stepfather, Jacob, when I was in second grade. He has been a really big part of my life, even before the death of my father. I'm not really sure what a typical 17-year-old girl's relationship with her father looks like, so I don't really know how to compare it, but he's always been there for me, and he's clearly a father figure for me. I used to just call him Jacob. The first time I called him dad, I was in eighth grade, and it was actually an accident. It just kind of slipped out. He was really moved by it and paused our conversation to hug me until Tell me how much he loved me. I've been calling him dad ever since. My relationship with my father's mother has been a lot weaker since his death. With that and the pandemic and everything, I hadn't really seen her in years before this week. She was in my city to see a show and stopped by for dinner. It was a little awkward, but it was going pretty well until I said, Dad, can you pass the broccoli? My grandmother started crying. She tried to hide it and we got through dinner, but I could tell she was really hurt by it. When she was leaving and saying goodbye to us, she told me that she was disappointed in me for basically taking a dump on my father's memory and effectively replacing him with Jacob. I've been feeling really bad about it. I lost my father, but she lost her son and I feel awful for referring to someone else's dad in front of her. Am I the asshole? No. No, your grandmother is the asshole here. You are the child, even if you're an adult. Like, you are the child in this situation. Oh, she's seven. She's the child in this situation. Please. And your dad died when you were in kindergarten. And that doesn't make him not your dad, but you also have another dad. Yeah, you have a new dad. This dad has been your dad for the past, even before your dad died. Come on. Yeah, no. I'm sure it's very sensitive for the grandmother, and I don't 
take that away from her. No. You don't go tell your granddaughter you just took a shit on. Yeah. Or act like she's like spitting on his grave by oh, calling this. Please. Yeah. You know what? That grandma needs to be out of your life. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. And this next one is wild. It says, am I the asshole for kicking my cousin out of my baby's funeral? I, 26 female, and my cousin, let's call her Emily, 28, have always been very close. During our childhood, we were inseparable, but then she got married and we stopped being so close. I was not invited to the wedding, bachelor party, or any other birthday or anything. Me and my husband have also been struggling with being able to conceive, but when we finally got pregnant, I was over the moon. Me and my cousin reconnected during this period, but didn't see each other much. I'll try not to go into too much detail with this because it breaks my heart to talk about it. When my baby, Stella, was two months old, she passed away from sudden infant death syndrome. I went into horrible depression and couldn't get out of bed for weeks. Who could blame you? My God. My husband stood by my side the whole time. He would make me soup, bring me magazines I really like, and would clean and cook around the house. However, I got no comforting messages from Emily or her family. I was a bit hurt, but brushed it off because I wasn't most worried about her not reaching out to me to tell me she was sorry my baby passed away. We had a funeral a couple weeks later. When my cousin showed up to the funeral, she told me she was so sorry for my loss and gave me a hug. I noticed she was holding her hand under her stomach, and her stomach had gotten a little bigger since I last saw her. She saw me looking at her stomach, so she said, surprise, I'm pregnant. I didn't know what to think about this, so I just stared blankly at her for a second before walking ahead. The whole funeral, all I was doing was crying, so it hurt to look anywhere else besides my lap, because when I did, the only pictures I had taken of my poor baby were shoved in my face. When I finally calmed down, Emily came over to me. I thought she was going to say something comforting, or tell me it was going to be all right like everyone else, but instead, she put her hand on her stomach and popped it out a little. She said something along the lines of, it breaks my heart to think that the same thing could happen to my little angel. I can't imagine what you're going through. Me and Anthony are so blessed to have a healthy baby so far. Blah, blah, blah. I was shocked. I started off by telling her my baby didn't die because it was unhealthy. It died from a sickness we couldn't control. And second, she could get the fuck out. It took a few minutes, but she left in the end. I'm getting both angry and supportive messages from the family. My husband, father-in-law, mother-in-law, dad, and friends are on my side, but my mother and aunt's whole family told me I overreacted and that it was wrong for me to cook her out of my baby's funeral. Am I the asshole? Uh, I don't think you are at all. No. I think you can do whatever the fuck you want i think if she's pregnant you can't be upset about like towards her i don't think you can be mad towards her but if she's popping it out and trying to rub it in your face the audacity to announce your pregnancy at someone's baby that is when you wear the oversized jacket or the dress that's so loose you cannot tell right right bitch cut her off immediately cut her off that is absolutely insane to me mind-blowing people just never cease to amaze me there was that like other am i the asshole from like a couple months ago where she didn't want to announce she was pregnant they forced it out of her right and then then kicked her out yeah and it wasn't even about another baby loss or anything it was about like a husband had passed away or something totally different Yeah. yeah yep yeah no you don't fucking do that don't Time fucking do that. Just, yeah, as a reminder, because this seems to keep popping up, never announce your pregnancy at a funeral. No. You don't, that's not the place. I mean, 
mean, I guess unless it's like... I mean, come on. There's some... Like, if it's like the 102-year-old aunt passed away and everyone's there, it's like, hey, might as well. But But come on. Have a little tact, people. Oh, my gosh. Just an asshole. Just an asshole. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'm up first this week. You got a side bitch for us? I sure do. We'll be right back. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music. And we're back. Who you got? All righty. This was sent to us from a geoff named Delena. I hope I'm not butchering your name. It is for Howard, and it was hilarious. Howard peacefully passed away at age 58. Here's a posthumous message from him and Dietz about the upcoming fiesta to celebrate his life. Hey guys, it's me, Howard. Don't worry, I took care of everything before Grim came and got me. <laughs> On Friday, I had a stroke and was taken immediately to the operating room to bust a clot. Not a move, that would have been more fun. <laughs> It was really strange being in a room where everyone had a mask on, but I was in no condition to ask anyone to remove them. I did, however, request ACDC to be played as everyone in the operating room was just so serious. I also asked if they could fix my heart problem while in there, but they told me twofers were only available Monday through Thursday, and I'd have to go to another hospital to check on availability of weekend specials. They seemed kind of rushed, so I let that go. Everyone was hoping full after the surgery but things took a turn for the worse overnight i'm not saying i was angry about it just disappointed i wanted to ask the surgeon did i say something wrong did i offend you but i wasn't in any position to talk so at this point i'm on the edge of jumping ship and everyone is gathering around the bed saying goodbye you know i don't like long goodbyes and i'm thinking guys it is what it is and let's get this party started or ended as the case may be so i jumped and now it's time to party and i don't have to pay for it. You can read all about the upcoming party. I'm calling it the funeral fiesta and some other stuff below. 
I will be in attendance, albeit in a small box. <laughs> when you arrive, know that I will be disappointed, but not angry if you're all moping around. Anyway, stop by, have fun, and reminisce with the fam. Howard's Funeral Fiesta. Location. Talks about the location and date. Be sure to visit me at my private table. I'll be in my box. <laughs> Some other stuff. Look out for my kids at the fiesta. They are, after all, my greatest accomplishment. My daughter and her husband, my other daughter and her husband, my son and his partner, my other son, my grandchildren. I feel so bonded to them. I think it's because we have a common enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? My sister and her partner. He's a funny guy. We suggested he MC the whole event, but he said he was only available for weddings and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> My parents will not be there as they are now waiting for me. We're trying to figure out a suitable living situation once the funeral fiesta is over. And the love of my life. Honey, I always loved your healthy food. Those Dunkin' Donuts and Jimmy John's wrappers you found in the back of the truck were just some innocent client entertainment. <laughs> okay, gotta go. Bye. I love that. <laughs> I thought it was so funny and sweet. Ugh, that is cute. I know. Just don't be sad. Don't be sad. He's fine. You're fine. See, that's how I would be, like, wanting to reassure everyone. Like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, like, yeah. So I am going to die, but uh, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. I'm here's totally what you need fine. To do. Yeah. Everything's taken care of. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of small boxes. Uh-huh. Do you have a little coffin spinner for me? I do. I do. I did do a little twirl it in my coffin this week. A little spinner. I'm actually really excited because I am talking about funeral foods today. Yeah. Which is something I have been dying to cover. You know, we've talked about yes. this. I'm, I'm always like, I think I might do funeral foods soon. I think I might do funeral foods yes. soon. So I'm excited that it's finally here. And I have oh. compiled a list of the most popular funerary delicacies, if you will. But first things first, I wanted to talk about food's role in relation to loss. So when my mom passed away a few years ago, we were just surrounded by like the absolute best people who were so kind and really just infiltrated my family with kindness during a really hard time. And I actually made a list in the notes app on my phone when all of that was happening because I wanted to remember the things that people did for us. Aww. I've referenced that list several times when other people I know have lost a loved one from things people said to acts of service. And I wanted to share a few of those things first in case any of you are ever finding yourself in a position where you're like, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. Yes. Because it can be really like an awkward thing sometimes when yeah. someone you love or know loses someone else mm -hmm. this is in no particular order but friends would come and drop off like breakfast pretty much every day during like the first week or the following days just like pastries bagels orange juice coffee just mm -hmm. things like that same for some dinners i remember one night my sister's friend erica actually sent over chipotle's like catered meals thing wow i mean it doesn't always have to be to that extent but i think just like dropping off meals is like a total custom that yes. 
people do. And it's just, it is one of the most like thoughtful things I think you can do because when you're in that state, like the last thing you think about is food. Yeah. Huh? You're not thinking you're like, where should we go for dinner tonight? Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't want to leave the house because we're just in fucking shock. So like meals, coffee, snacks, all of those things were super helpful. I was like talking to Olivia about it today, actually, because I told her what I was talking about tonight. And she brought up a few other things. Just yeah, anything like that. Super helpful. And another thing people did was send us gift cards. We got a lot of gift cards for like Uber Eats, Postmates. Again, just to be like, don't think about anything. Just order stuff. And I've done this for people I know now, even aside from those grieving. But when people are like recovering from surgery or just having a tough time, I feel like that's such an easy way to be like, yes, get yourself something good for dinner. Get yourself juices, whatever you need, whatever you want. So good things to keep in your back pocket. That's great, actually. Those are things that I... I mean, I I know like when something tragic happens, it's like, okay, let's let's put together a meal train and you're going to bring a casserole this day. You're going to bring a casserole, you Uh know, but I never thought about gift cards. I think that's great. It's such an easy way to do it, especially if you're far away from someone. And like a lot of people will think of like meals and things like that. But even just like coffee and pastries in the morning was such like a nice thing because it just allows you to not have to leave or do anything you don't want to do. Right. You're barely functioning as it is. Yes. Yeah. No, and I have so many other tips and tricks, but we'll lay those out another time. Yeah, but I'd love to hear. (laughs) Okay, so let's dig into some of the funerary foods now. First up, we have UK Jung, which is a traditional Korean dish. It's a spicy beef soup with scallions, bean sprouts, garlic, sweet potatoes, and chili. Mm. My mouth is water. And it's usually served with a bowl of rice and kimchi. And during funeral services, they actually use the soup as part of a ritual where the deceased person is offered several bowls of rice and then they place three spoonfuls of the UK jung into the deceased person's mouth. They like feed them. That's great. Are they well I guess they won't choke. No. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I guess they're not sutured shut, They're I guess. They're not sutured shut? Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Not. According to Shiva.com, Jewish people will have something called Sudat Havara, aka the first meal. And it says, quote, the first meal eaten by the mourning family upon their return from the burial is the Sudat Havara. The Sudat Havara is considered a private meal to be shared amongst immediate family members, not a public event where condolences are offered. It's also sometimes referred to as the meal of comfort or it translates to the meal of comfort and it's provided by friends family and or members of the community and typically consists of peeled hard-boiled eggs and some variation of the lentil stew that according to Talmud Jacob was preparing for his father Isaac who was sitting Shiva for his own father Abraham Hmm. these foods especially the round hard-boiled eggs symbolize the cycle of life and are traditionally followed by the delivery of condolence baskets and local deli for the duration of the week-long Shiva period. Hmm. I always love learning like what the different cultures are doing. Also, sorry if I butcher names of anything because 
Who knows? This next one, you and I, I believe, have both tried during the Day of the Dead. Mexican families have traditionally eaten pan de puerto, which are these sweet bread rolls. A lot of them have Mm -hmm. like a cross on the top of them. Have you ever had one? Mm -hmm. And they're sometimes covered with pink or sugar or decorated with some kind of sweet. Families will visit their loved one's final resting place and share them as an ofrenda to the spirit of their loved ones. And I also have some friends and people that I know that put them on the offerandas or whatever mm-hmm. at home next to like the flower what are the flowers they do like the marigolds the marigolds yeah and like pictures of their loved ones or whatever yeah you had pen dulce in the kitchen the other week yeah i go down to northgate <laughs> fucking bomb. at an irish wake you'll find what's called an irish wake cake that's traditionally made with butter eggs cream cheese cake flour pretty much everything you'd find in a traditional cake recipe but also with some unexpected ingredients like dried currants and raisins as well as lemon juice i'm hungry i know (laughs) traditional funerals in america kind of depend on the region that you're in a lot of them will have some sort of baked dish especially in the south which we'll get to momentarily a lot will have like charcuterie boards to snack on like you know cheese meats whatever Mm -hmm. appetizers sometimes i always think of chinese chicken salad for some reason like at my grandparents funerals okay like the best Chinese chicken salad from this deli we used to go oh my god oh my god let's have a funeral (laughs) (laughs) chicken salad funeral potluck just everybody (laughs) bring something well a lot of people will do potlucks but they have other appetizers like stuffed mushrooms fruit trays and in the midwest it's common to serve egg salad sandwiches and you best believe they'll have a fucking hot dish for you in the midwest Mm. you know about a hot dish Mm -hmm. a lot of times people will keep it simple with the hot dishes or they'll just call in catering Mm -hmm. now in the south you get like a full-on fucking spread they do not fuck Fuck around around. you get baked macaroni and cheese ham biscuits Mm -hmm. fried chicken collard greens A plethora of different casseroles. Mm -hmm. And one recipe that I actually saw pop up a lot is for this one specific potato salad called Shout Hallelujah Potato Salad. I mean, I guess it's so good it makes you shout hallelujah. But I saw a few recipes for it, but none of them made people as mad as the Southern Living Magazine recipe. And I have to read you the reviews people wrote. One said, what in the world ever posed anybody to put hot sauce in a potato salad? Get serious. Get back to the basics. Make it Southern living style. Make it Southern. Oh my God. I would put hot sauce in a potato salad. That sounds bomb. Another wrote, this isn't the usual Southern potato salad that I am used to. Southern living adds some Northern editors. My mother (laughs) made a mustard potato salad and my aunt made a mayo based salad. Both good. Both Southern. Southern, both no bell pepper. <gasps> Ooh, that the bell pepper is what sent that person over oh, the edge. Oh my, that might send me. To, I love bell pepper, but I don't know about in the. I think it's good in potato, potato salad. salad? Uh huh. I've um, never had that. My personal favorite review. This is the last one. It says, "I've lived in the South for over forty years, and this caps is not." the Sunday potluck or homecoming's potato salad that any of the Southern ladies I know would serve. 
These are the classic ingredients that I know the ladies would use. Potatoes, russet or red, eggs, green onion, mayo, a small splash of milk, mustard, and sweet cubed pickles. Everything else is just not needed or ever used. I must agree that all the extra ingredients are something that maybe northerners would add, (gasps) but not a southern lady. I don't understand why every recipe that southern life calls southern it's anything but <gasps> the drama just pissed but while we're on the topic of no, potato wait a second before you get into anything else speaking of potatoes uh-huh remember i left my purse here the other day after record well this is like a month ago after recording sure and i was like i don't know i was trying to go get a coffee or something <laughs> and i was like fuck, I think I left my purse at your house. I came and got it. Then I went to the store with my purse. I opened it up. There is a big honking potato <laughs> in my purse. I forgot. You put a potato in my bag. Oh, I did. You left your purse here and oh I said, here you go. Here's a recipe for the road, baby. Remember that potato you bought like last week though? Um, That potato killed my family. <laughs> that potato probably weighed 20 pounds. Huge. That potato was swole. Swole. Ooh, got a crush. Okay, but while we're on the topic of potatoes, you guys didn't think I'd skip over funeral potatoes, did ya? You never, you just always get it right. I just always get it right. Though the origins have been debated, this is a dish that is present at a lot of funerals in the Midwest, but is also most notably tied to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sometimes you'll even see the recipes pulled up as like Mormon funeral Mm. potatoes. It's super popular in Utah. According to the internet, the name comes from the Mormon practice of serving the dish at receptions after funerals, especially those planned by a specific women's group I guess called the Relief Society. The dish may also be served at other livelier occasions, shall we say, such as holidays and family gatherings. I looked at probably 20 or so recipes, and I feel like most commonly the dish consists of like a bag of frozen hash browns, like a bag or two of them, Mm -hmm. some cans of either cream of chicken soup, or some people will swap it out for cream of mushroom, Mm. sour cream, onion, butter, and of course cheese. That sounds good. Mix it up, season it, pour it into your pan, and then you're going to take about a cup and a half of cornflakes, mix it with some more melted butter, spread <gasps> it on top for a nice crispy layer. Oh, Finally, good. bake it at 350 for 45 minutes to an hour or until it's nice mm. and bubbly on top. Mm, mm. Is your mouth watering? <laughs> it is. Well, I have a surprise. <laughs> Did you make I made Mormon funeral potatoes for us. Did you really? And we're going to try it together live on the show right now. Yes, it's in my kitchen. Yes. Go get them. That's why I couldn't go to the post office earlier because I was like trying to like get the last minute recipe stuff I needed. Oh, are you kidding me? It Spencer? looks fucking bomb. I waited to try it. Yeah, hold on one second. <laughs> oh my god, this is the best day of my life. All right, I have plated our food, and I was like, we cannot take a bite. We need to do it live on air. So we're gonna try it. It smells so good. <sighs> are you excited? I'm so excited. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh my god. Oh, I'm taking the rest home because you're leaving. Oh, Spencer. I had never tried it before. I want to eat it really quick. <laughs> We're going to pause. <laughs> okay. Holy we had shit. to pause. <laughs> 
that shit is fire. We'll post the recipe. Yeah, so I'll post the exact recipe I used. I'm sure it would be great with chicken, cream of chicken soup, but I don't eat meat. Yeah, no, I, I like cream of mushroom better. And there are vegan, lots of vegan versions I saw if you guys want to try it. But first of all, who doesn't love a fucking potato? Oh my god. A potato with sour cream and creamy soup. I don't even know if it sounds super appetizing. Some of the pictures I saw, I was like, mm. No, it's good. It's like a flavorful, oh. like you said, like hash brown, but moist. But then the Kellogg's on top. Yes. Make it crunchy. Oh my god. We literally stopped. I didn't try it earlier. I literally baked it and like timed it so that it would be like fresh for us. I lit my like craziest candles in the kitchen so she wouldn't smell the smell the potato. It smells <laughs> because so Because I'm like a canine, good. man. I can smell oh, a potato. She will walk in my house and be like, what'd you cook? Yeah. <laughs> smell a potato from a mile away. Or sometimes you walk in and you're like, I need a snack before we start. <laughs> I always do. I'm always like, I'm hungry. I'm well, I'm always hungry. <laughs> But I was like, stay out of the kitchen. Oh, my God. But we literally paused. You guys, it was fucking good. I'll say it. I told you it was one of my favorite things you've ever made. And I've made some meals. Yes. No, this. We are like plotting and planning. She's like, I'm going to bring this to Easter next year. Yeah. (laughs) We are. I'm going to blow people's minds. Ugh. In our Mormon potato girly era. Oh, my God. I love it. (laughs) Well, that is what had me spinning in my coffin this week. I found a few of the recipes that I liked, but I was like, I'm going to have to cut mine a little short because I need time to bake. Oh my gosh, mama's in the kitchen. Oh, what won't I do for this show? I, did you see how like big my eyes got when you were like, well, I made it. I was like, he's fucking with me and that's going to be wrong. It was like I gave her a car. (laughs) (laughs) She said, are you serious? Are you kidding me? I'm going to (laughs) cry. God, love a potato casserole. Oh, fuck me me up. Fuck me up. My family and I were actually, we were when we were in Chicago, we were at the steakhouse and they had these really good twice baked potatoes. And we were talking about just like potatoes and all the different kinds and like our favorites, least faves. And we we said for Christmas this year, everyone is going to bring a side Mm. dish that's a potato theme. That is incredible. And so we're going to have like 10 different kinds of potatoes happening. My mom used to make In-N-Out potatoes. Really? She would cut potatoes in half. Uh Uh-huh. She would bake the potato, cut it in half, take everything out from the inside, mash it. Yep. Cheese. Uh Uh-huh. Whole milk. Sour cream. Sour cream, the whole shebang. Put them back inside the skins. Put them in the oven for a little bit. Toasty. Twice baked potato, baby. I love it. Is that what a twice baked potato is? Yeah. But but I let you go with it. I love it. Come on. In and out (laughs) potato. That that was it. That's all I got for you. That was just the best. I wish I could have given it to all the G-Ops too. I know. But we'll share the recipe. It was fucking good. Yeah. Really fucking good. How do I even transition to mine? Uh, Well, I'm interested to see what you're talking about this week. I'm talking about ironic deaths. Oh, different. (laughs) Very different. (laughs) But I love it. Isn't it ironic? It's like Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have got some stories about some people and their ironic deaths. I love it. One of my favorite things that you did was when you did the like craziest ways people have died. So I'm excited. These are crazy. These are definitely crazy. Let's start with... Mithridates the sixth. 
<gasps> not the sixth. The sixth, not the fifth. Oh, not the fourth. Not Before the, the seventh. Not the seventh. Not okay. The eighth. The sixth. Okay? Oh. He was the ruler of the kingdom of Pontus from 120 to 63 BC. Thought so. Like reading that, I'm like, that makes no sense to me. But <laughs> that is what he ruled. Okay? Sure. <laughs> he was. Paranoid. He was nervous that people were out to get him. I mean, it was ancient Rome, so I too would be paranoid. And in his defense, many of his predecessors, including his father and colleagues, were poisoned to death. Well, think about King Henry VIII. He had a tester, a taste tester. Yes. Well, that's why people say now, right? Like, oh, I was just trying the cheese to make sure it's not poisonous. Yes, I get into I that. I say it. Totally. <laughs> Or I like to say, like, is that chocolate? I, I've never had that before. Can I have some? <laughs> I'm always like, I'll, tr- I'll try it to make sure it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just go with, I've never had vanilla ice cream. I gotta, ha- I gotta try it. Gotta try that. <laughs> yeah, so like his fa- a lot of family members and his colleagues and predecessors all were poisoned to death. So I guess you really couldn't be safe enough. Like you said about taste testers during this time, there were people that you could hire called taste testers that would obviously come and taste your food and check for poisons, which I started looking into like the history of taste testers, which will have to be a coffin spinner of its own because it's pretty wild. Well, I actually have another surprise for you, girly. Ah, poisoned! I poisoned you. Oh, no. I poisoned. These are your final moments. <laughs> Back to Mithridates, he did not hire a taste tester. Instead, he thought that he could build an immunity to poison. Oh! So he would take very small doses of poison throughout his life, just managing to not go above the lethal dose. He was microdosing poison. Yeah. And well, well, we'll get into it. During this time, there was ongoing tensions between Mithridates the sixth and the Roman Senate. It's a whole, whole political thing that we're not going to get into. There were tensions, okay? Great. Our our 163 people are going to get mad at us. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> They're so political. Oh my God. Well, yeah, there was just a whole bunch of political bullshit going on. And he was seen as a threat to the Roman Republic. So he was captured by the Romans and he knew that whatever they were going to do to him was probably going to be horrific. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I got to take things into my own hands. I'm going to try to poison myself so I can just die die peacefully more peacefully than fucking who knows drawn and quartered or whatever or drop down a oubliette exactly so he was like i'm poisoning myself well he tried to poison himself and it didn't work because he had in fact built up an immunity to poison no shit yes it's real well i guess it depends maybe on the poison yeah he just could not die that way so there are two different stories about how he actually died one was that he had a friend and he like gave this a sword to his friend and was like just fucking kill me and the friend did it the other story is that the roman rebels caught him and killed him But we'll never know. We will never know. But isn't that ironic? It's like you spend your whole life trying to not be poisoned. And the one time you want it. (laughs) It's like the 163 version of people like injecting themselves with that horse medicine or whatever to try and beat COVID. Ketamine (laughs) or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imervectin or whatever. Ivervectin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ketamine? (laughs) 
like, yeah, I'm like, girly, that's not it. That's for parties. <laughs> Ketamine is like a horse tranquilizer, though. Yeah. And it's a real hoot and a half. Oh. <laughs> We're going to try that next week after the funeral. He's cooking it in his kitchen. We We're just speak. in a K-hole. That's what they call it. What does that mean? It's just like, I think you're like in the trance from the ketamine. It's called putting yourself in like a K-hole. Oh. It's normalized now. In Beverly Hills, they fucking do treatments. I know plenty of people yeah. that have gone and gotten ketamine treatments. Like the microdosing of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it help with like depression and trauma, PTSD. I mean, whatever. Works. Don't take our words for it. I've never. I don't know how legit it is, or if it's yeah. just one of those woo-woo things. But if it works, hey, hey, whatever works. All right, let's go on to Sigurd the Mighty. Now he was a Viking, and we hate it. We we already know last week we talked about vikings anyway this boy was a viking he reigned between 875 to 892 as the second earl of orkney Ooh. whatever that means so sigurd had a brother and his brother helped a king take on and kick out pirate vikings that were invading islands and just causing chaos sigurd's brother's son so i guess sigurd's nephew was killed by one of the pirates. Sigurd's brother was then given permission by the king to rule over these islands that the pirates were trying to conquer. The uh-huh. king was like, you helped me so much and you lost your son. You can have these islands. Well, Sigurd's brother said, no thanks. I don't want the islands. So Sigurd's brother gave the islands to Sigurd. Sigurd the Mighty fucking loved it. Conquered a bunch of places. Just loved ruling everything. He was just a badass viking and he even conquered some parts of northern scotland during this time so sigurd was just killing it no pun intended until he met mayel brigitte the bucktooth <gasps> the most beautiful girl in the world it was a boy he was a boy oh, okay we're just gonna call him bucktooth because i can't pronounce his first name so bucktooth <laughs> he was a ruler in murray which was i believe a little province in northern scotland murray and sigurd the mighty had beef they okay. did not like each other they were pretty petty with each other and Sigurd challenged the Bucktooth man to a 40 person battle. Now that meant 40 people on Sigurd's side, 40 people on the Bucktooth side. Sigurd was very sneaky. He ended up putting two people on one of each of the 40 horses. So he ended up actually having 80 people deep. Oh, I would do that. Smart, I guess. While Bucktooth stuck to his word and showed up with 40 men on horses. As we know, Vikings show no mercy, especially in battle, and are brutal. So Sigurd was like, soldiers, we are going to chop these motherfuckers' heads off and we are going to hang their heads from our horses' saddles. (gasps) And we are going to ride around in battle. And when we're done, we're going to hang them, have them like little trophies. Oh my god. All of their heads, right? Sigurd's army defeated the Bucktooth's army and conquered whatever land he was trying to conquer. And he put the Bucktooth's head on his horse, hmm. hung it like, the, you know, this is my trophy, right? My greatest trophy. While Mr. Bucktooth was indeed dead, he wasn't going down without a fight. His tooth scratched Sigurd's leg. In fact, his tooth scratched it a lot. Like as the horse is galloping, his tooth just so buck 
that it just kept hitting right. the Viking's leg. No big deal. Viking has fucking seen worse things, right? A little scratch on the leg. Who cares? Well, throughout the next few days, Sigurd's leg started to flare up and looked and smelled infected. And just a few days after that initial battle, he could not walk and he ended up dying from the wounds caused by Bucktooth's tooth oh he got like a staph infection or something Mm -hmm. but like you went and decapitated this person and this is the person that you like were you got tooth leg beef with (laughs) you tooth leg embarrassing oh my like oh did he did he die in the battle was he bucked from his horse no he actually got tooth leg he got he got tooth leg. Oh my god. I want them here's what I want. Redo footloose. Call it tooth leg. <laughs> Dirty dancing. Perfect. Tooth. Something's happening here. Oh it's in the works. It's in the works. It's in the works. It's in the works. But I'm like, I think that Bucktooth probably got into Valhalla because he died in battle. Sure. But did Sigurd get into Valhalla? Because he did not die in battle. He died from a tooth. No Valhalla for him. No Valhalla. You cannot get into Valhalla. Oh from my. a tooth from dying from tooth leg. Oh my god. So that's tooth leg. Now let's go on to Alexander. Bogdanov. This man was pretty famous uh, in the Soviet Union. He was born in 1873 and died in 1928. He was a doctor, a sci-fi writer, a poet, and a communist. He was also pretty famous in the beginning as a pioneer in cybernetics, which I fucking looked up. I could not explain it if my life depended on it, so I'm not going to explain cybernetics, people. Just Google it. <laughs> Any, And it's not important to the story. Anyway, he was also very interested in hematology, which is basically the study of blood and all things blood. He became obsessed. He even founded the Institute for Hematology and Blood Transfusions. He felt that blood transfusions were the secret to eternal youth and even immortality, which I automatically think of Death Becomes Her. Yes. You know, like... Did you know I watched that on the plane to Chicago? No, but we love it. I love that movie. God, such a good movie. I feel like that's us. If someone was like, you can just take this potion, you'll just be young forever. Oh, we'd be like, okay. And we'll be like at the funeral in the end, just fucking falling apart. I love it. Love it. So in 1924, he started his blood transfusion experiments. He gave himself 11 blood transfusions and spoke about how much better he felt after having them. He said, oh my God. God, you can't believe it. It's helping my balding. It's helping my eyesight. Everybody said he looked 10 years younger. And he just felt great. And he had people lining up to get blood transfusions. Blood transfusions for vanity purposes. He even took, like even his sister was involved. Like people were just into this because of course people I would do it. Yeah. I mean, not knowing what I know now, but not, I know that if there was some, I would do it. (laughs) I would do it. I would do it. Like the vampire facial where they take your blood and spin it or whatever. Yeah. Why not? Oh my God, I know. He ended up, taking his students' blood, because he had to get, you know, the blood, blood transfusion. Sure. He took one of his students' blood, and he transfused it into him, and he transfused his blood into her. Well, that student had malaria and tuberculosis. Oh, fuck. 
but it was incredible it was incredible because the student made a full recovery with his blood Uh uh-huh and he ended up dying oh my god you goofed yourself isn't it ironic the one thing the one thing that was supposed to make him live forever killed him killed him the irony oh you want blood the iron Oh, baby. Oh, we're thinking, thinking thoughts. Now that is good. Practicing thoughts and thinking. Oh, yeah. All right, I have two more. Derek Keeper or Kuiper? Spencer, have you heard of anti-seatbelt advocates? Yes, I'm huge on it. (laughs) Just imagine. (laughs) Imagine. Well, okay. So in the 1980s, I guess legislation about mandatory seatbelts had been introduced and it became a whole public health issue. Isn't it crazy how recent that even is that like mm-hmm. seems like so, like our parents were just fucking rolling around in the car. Yeah. My brother has a 1957 Chevy and like no seatbelts. And no. I remember driving it around when I was a kid. My mom was like, you just have to sit in the back. <laughs> sit in the back. You're fine. Yeah. So yeah. So the in the 1980s, it was a whole public health issue. They tried to make it mandatory to wear seatbelts. People were pissed. And I even read that about 60 to 65% of Americans opposed mandatory seatbelts at that time. Of course. Look at the world we live in now. They can't even put a mask on. No, I know. In 1984, New York was actually the first state to pass a law that required you to absolutely mandatorily wear your seatbelt. <laughs> The fact that they have to make it like a law, people wouldn't just do it. I know. I know. So eventually other and all states followed. Cut to 2004, an editorial piece was published in the Daily Nebraskan written by this 21-year-old man named Derek. The article that he wrote was called Individual Rights Bucked Under Seatbelt Laws. He went off in this article saying things like, Democrats and Republicans should stand together and he said I'm from the school of thought where everyone should have the right to do as they please as long as they are not infringing on the rights of other people this comes from political philosophy that inspired our founding fathers he also said the duty of government is nothing more than to make sure everyone's rights are protected and not infringed upon and then he went on to say Telling me to wear my seatbelt is the same as making sure I have some sort of proper education before diving into a swimming pool. If I want to dive in without knowing how to swim, that is my right. And if I want to be a jerk that flirts with death and rides around with my seatbelt off, I should be able to do that too. Well, a few months later, he sadly died in a car accident that ejected him from the vehicle. Fucking come on. He obviously was not wearing his seatbelt and I read that that type of crash and impact and everything may have not killed him if he had his seatbelt on. Jesus, people are stupid. Dumb. (laughs) I know. I mean, reap what you sow. Okay, you got to die with your freedom. Congratulations. You published an article saying, let me flirt with death and... Well, death flirted back, baby. (laughs) God. All right, this last one. I don't even know if you would call it ironic. I feel like it's ironic or just like poetically just perfect. I don't know, but it's short. I got to read it. So Aeschylus, he was a man who lived in ancient Greece from 525 to 455 BC, roughly. 
He was known as the father of tragedy, although I read somewhere that his name also means the little ugly one. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But he was called the father of, of tragedy because he wrote plays and was very big in the Greek tragedy genre. Cool. Yes. He was said to have had written between 70 and 90 plays. Oh my God. I know. I guess he was also one of the first people to like make plays into trilogies. Like give them acts. Yeah. Well, like in, okay, here's one play. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Shrek 1, Shrek 2. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You're going to love this. He was also in a cult. Oh. It was the cult of Demeter. Demeter was an Olympic goddess and she was believed to help fertility and agriculture and it seemed like more of a secret religious society than anything but I don't know that I guess that could be a cult yeah yeah listen any intentional community is a cult yes so he was accused of I guess like spilling all the gossip on stage about the secrets of this cult and secrets of the Eleusinian mysteries which were the initiations held every year for that cult and he would like work those secrets into his plays and people were catching on and like Oh my god. I love it. Yes, so that that doesn't have anything to do with his death, though. People did try to kill him, though. And he even had to go to trial about this whole, like, spilling secrets of the cult. And he was eventually acquitted. Anyway, he also went on. He married. He had two sons that were both tragic poets. Okay, but here's where it gets crazy. All of his plays were super tragic, but also had comedic elements to it. And those things transcended into his death. He was apparently told by a psychic that the way he would die would most definitely be indoors. And not just that, but that something was surely going to fall on him and kill him. So with that information, he spent as much time outdoors as possible. Like he would just sit outside like I'm not going in inside yeah. I'm die in there well one day he was sitting outside and an eagle flew by him <laughs> that eagle was holding a tortoise no mm-hmm. i never knew that i guess eagles will drop turtles from high up onto things that they think are rocks to try and crack them open to crack them open to get the meaty insides oh well god i'm team turtle or tortoise okay we'll get this so the eagle did that dropped the tortoise but the eagle mistook his bald head Aeschylus' head for a rock killed him instantly oh death by turtle the turtle lived no good yeah i mean if there's gonna be a survivor in that scenario God, I don't know if that's ironic or what, but that is ironic. Yes, if he was scared, tragic of some... and comedic uh-huh. too. Uh, tragedy and comedy, babes, we bring it all. Love it. Oh my God! Well, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we will get into our obituaries. We'll be right back. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features 
help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie. We're back. Spencer, whose obituary do you have? My obituary this week is for someone who I guarantee would have been a total G-off. I'm going to do first names only. After a long battle with existence, Lucy died peacefully at her West Knoxville home this morning, December 27th, 2021. She was 72 years old at the time of her passing. Lucy was the only daughter of Randolph and Nellie. (gasps) Nellie! and was sister to Randolph Jr. Lucy is survived by her beloved husband, David, her son, Eric, her daughters, Kirsten and Emily, her daughter-in-law, grandson, yada, yada, yada. Lucy was a child of East Tennessee. She was raised in Madisonville and spent much of her time there prior to moving to Knoxville. Lucy would enjoy telling her family stories about Monroe County, embellishing pieces of family lore, and reminiscing about the beauty of the Tullico River. Lucy graduated with a master's in art education from the University of Tennessee. Thereafter, she used her creativity and vigor in various pursuits, including teaching, painting, cooking, church, homemaking, advertising, and writing. Lucy had the sole temperament and brilliant complications of an artist. This is how she will be remembered by those who knew and loved her best. Lucy conceptualized herself foremost as a mother. She loved her children unconditionally and gave to them the best that she could. Lucy's closest friend was her husband. The two of them spent nearly every day together for 31 years, including 27 years of marriage. They took joy in each other's company, laughing together at the absurdities of the world, Seinfeld, and inside family jokes that were often repeated but never seemed to lose their charm. As one of her greatest gifts to her children, she bestowed upon them an equal admiration for the inherent absurdity of life. Lucy was a voracious reader and taught her children early in life, before the invention of smartphones, to always bring a book with you wherever you go. Lover of all things macabre and existential, Lucy collected obituaries... (gasps) 
from the Knoxville News Sentinel, and we would like to think that this one would have caught her eye. Despite her sometimes hot temper and renowned stubbornness, Lucy was fond of reminding her family that people are doing the best they can with what they have, and that we should have kindness and understanding accordingly. When her children struggled, when she herself struggled, she would remember to resolutely say out loud, this too shall pass. The struggle is over and has passed. Lucy will be greatly missed, and the family will hold a private remembrance ceremony. Just love her and loved her lightheartedness, but loved that she was a gal who collected obituaries. That is incredible. I was just vibing with it when I was reading it earlier because I think it's just a very heavy time right now in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think just like a lot of what we do even on the show is just kind of laughing at the absurdity that is life. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't laugh, how the hell are you gonna get through anything yeah it's just crazy so oh lucy we love lucy and just love anyone who's out there collecting obituaries like us i I bet she had some good ones i'd like to see her collection i would love her collection (laughs) who you got all right i have an obituary for a woman named ellen and it's short and sweet but i kind of loved her ellen 54, passed away on Monday, March 21st, 2022 at her residence with her loving husband by her side. Hmm. She was born on January 13th, 1968. Young. In Indianapolis, Indiana. Ellen married her husband on March 19th. 2010. She received her GED at Jay County High School while in Dunkirk, Indiana in 1998. Ellen was a bartender for most of her life. So she was like 30 when she got her GED. Good for her. Good for her. It's never too late. Never too late. She was a huge shit talker and (laughs) liked the conflict and drama that came with it. Yes. Ellen enjoyed spending time with her grandchildren and attending their sporting events. She also enjoyed watching television and hanging out with friends and family. Ellen loved her husband, children, and grandchildren dearly. She will be deeply missed by everyone who knew her. Oh my god, I love that. Because we talk all the time. We we love Madison and I love to Look talk to her. Huh? Look at her. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> no, but we talk about it all the time. We're like, do you remember when we got in trouble for it? We were like talking, I think, to Ash and Elena on I think think it was for their episode and we were like oh yeah like we're meant to be we can just talk shit to each other Mm -hmm. all day long and we love it and someone's like oh I don't need friends like that oh we were like oh well fuck you oh please oh my god no I get it but our personalities though with each other we just go in and I love it it. we will but we clown on ourselves too like the other night remember we were sending each other pictures I was sending her pictures from Chicago and she was sending me pictures from Yosemite where we look hideous I look like I'm shaped like Spongebob In these pictures. And I'm sorry, but I have a waist. I have a little hourglass. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Just some dumbasses. A couple of dumbasses. But uh, hey, speaking of, it's time for America's favorite segment. Ah! It's time for some dumb ass 
Criminals. Let's do it. I don't know if mine's real or not. I <laughs> tried to look it up on Snopes, but there was nothing. And it's fucking wild. So I'm reading it because even if it's fake, I like to picture that it really happened. This is from fucking World News something. 29-year-old Jerry Smith was arrested on Wednesday for a series of burglaries committed over the last year across northern Florida. During his interrogation, he admitted that one of his crimes hadn't turned out as expected, leading him to develop at least three different STDs. Mm. The young man then fell apart, crying like a baby, and explained that he had snorted large quantities of semen he had stolen a few weeks ago, believing it was either cocaine or heroin. It What? <laughs> listen, it says it took deputies a few hours to corroborate his confession, and they were finally able to find the corresponding police report. The victim was 34-year-old Jenny White, who had returned to her Silver Spring Shores apartment last month to discover that several sex toys and accessories, as well as a collection of pornographic movies, were missing. Miss White, a hard-time Tinder user, also reported a very unique item stolen— a crystal jar containing semen from hundreds of sexual partners. I know it's weird, but I got every guy I slept with in the last two years to ejaculate. Oh, I can't even, I don't even want to look at it. Well, you don't have to. (laughs) I know it's weird, but I got every guy I slept with in the last two years to ejaculate in the same jar. There must have been sperm from at least 250 guys in there. The young woman (gasps) says she wondered why the thief took her semen jar and was astonished when the sheriff deputies told her he had snorted it oh my god that's disgusting quote i had no idea what a criminal could be planning to do with a jar full of dried cum but snorting it that's just gross there's no way this is real but i just love it some could say jerry smith has already paid for his crime by developing both oral and genital herpes as well as an extremely violent strain of the syphilis virus but he still has to face another kind of punishment he now faces a total of 17 criminal charges including burglary receipt of stolen property possession of fake identification cards and drug possession oh my god that's just gross do you think it's real i mean stranger things have fucking happened oh stranger things have happened the truth is stranger than fiction oh it sure is madison it sure is oh you know what it reminds me of it reminds me what's the movie is it the banger sisters where she has the polaroids of all the dicks of the dicks of all the guys she Uh slept with i think so i love that Mm -hmm. or something about mary maybe he thought it was just some gel (sighs) no no because it was dried and he snorted it yeah okay can't snort gel madison oh my god come on okay we love old people Ooh, we love talked about this we love old people kids animals sometimes old people just do the darndest things Oh, boy, do they. They just say things sometimes that make you go, what? They do things sometimes that just make you go. I think that's why we love them. They lose their filter. They truly do. (laughs) So this is happening right now in Paris. In Paris? In Paris. (gasps) There is a Picasso exhibit at the Musée Picasso Paris Museum. Oui, oui. This exhibit, no wonder the French fucking hate Americans. (laughs) Um, <laughs> Look at these cockroaches yeah. <laughs> talking about snorting cum. Yeah. This exhibit features everything Picasso unseen 
footage, photos, artifacts, postcards, even clothes. And it also, I guess, had like a bunch of different artists representing Picasso. Just a really cool thing. So one piece of clothing that an artist had displayed, he had like a beautiful blue blazer like hanging on a wall uh-huh. next to like a, a huge ceiling to floor picture of Picasso as a young boy. And in the blazer, there were postcards of Picasso's and just like a bunch of stuff in it. And he wanted it to be interactive. Like he wanted people to be able to touch the blazer and all of that. Here's where our dumb criminal comes in. Okay. A 72-year-old woman was moseying around the exhibit just loving it she saw the jacket and didn't know that it had belonged to an artist (laughs) or that it was a fucking piece of art that was supposed to be on display oh my god so that little sticky fingers granny decided to just take it for (gasps) herself she said no one else is wearing it it's just (laughs) left here i'm taking it it's just my size she well it wasn't because she ended up taking the jacket home with her and even had it tailored to fit her no the tailors took about a foot off of length oh to fit her shortened the sleeves everything the only reason that they found her was because it was caught on camera and i can't find the the video footage but it was like caught on a security camera and the older woman went back to the museum because she just loved the show and maybe to find more clothes I don't know. But she was there again and the police were there too because they were investigating this stolen piece of art. While she was there, they recognized her. They arrested her. When I first read it, I was like, holy fuck, she stole a Picasso. But it it was actually an artist featured in this Picasso exhibit. Uh-huh. But she didn't know that. First of all, you don't see a jacket and just take it home with you, okay? <laughs> all charges were later dropped, but I guess she has since been placed under some sort of guardianship, which is probably for the best. Probably for the best. She's got sticky little fingers. But can you imagine, what if you took your grandma to the fucking the Getty Museum and she just rolls out with one of the pieces of art? You know, they have like Roman uh-huh. things. They're like, I don't know, Victorian era things. Yes. They're like, oh, I don't know. I just took it home, had it tailored uh, to me. Why not? So she's... I don't know. She's a dumb criminal. No, she's a criminal. No, she's a dumbass. You, do- <laughs> Yeah. Don't take things that don't belong to you, grandma. Yeah. Or guess what? You're gonna get called a dumbass. Oh, my God. Well? Well, that is our show, but we do want to go through some of our little goodies. You guys have been just blessing our P.O. box. Oh my gosh. We absolutely love it. Should we do like another like don't look, reach, pick at random thing? Yes. Because everything looks enticing to me. It does. I feel like I want to do another postcard. Okay. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay, okay reach. Do you got one? got one i don't know if that's a postcard look open your eyes is it oh no it's a letter though it's a letter okay we'll do that reader Ooh. oh celebrating the life of toots oh you were my favorite hello and my hardest goodbye it's for a dog oh my god let me see that oh my god okay wait there's a letter in here Oh. oh my 
God, look at Toots, the underbite. Cutest I die puppy. for an underbite. Hi, oh. Madison and Spencer. Love, love, love your podcast. I swear my office mates must think I have finally lost my shit as I sit <laughs> in my cubicle listening to you two yuck it up. And I'm laughing my ass off. My dear French slash English bulldog Toots, which is the cutest name. So cute. Recently passed away Easter Sunday and we were devastated. Mm. This after a brief illness where we discovered a large inoperable tumor in her chest she brought so much joy to our life we wanted to celebrate her so on what would have been her 12th birthday our family got together had a party in her honor i am sending you a remembrance card i had made up for this occasion so you can see for yourselves just how adorable and special our girl was a proud geoff shelly oh Oh, that makes me want to cry But beautiful, beautiful toots. We love you, toots. And there's something I feel cathartic, even just like having this. Like I'm like, okay, she's part of our collection now. She like, is. She's going into our archives because I didn't tell you this yet, but I ordered some photo albums, like classic <gasps> photo albums. Yes. So that we can put all the paper goods in. I think it'd be so fun. I love that. We'll have a little scrapbook girly night and Toots will go in our archives. Oh, Toots, we love you. We love you, Toots. She's just playing. She is playing ball somewhere. There's nothing like a dog. Nothing like a dog. That is for sure. We're going to open up this baddie. Okay, this is from... Oh my God, coming all the way from New Hampshire. Wow, how many stamps did that take? Oh my God. It says right here $5 on the shipping. My oh God. Oh my God. Thank you guys for being generous with us. God, thank you. We'll mail you something one day. Maybe we'll come there. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, there are two things in here. There is a DVD movie. Love that. What is it? I don't know. It looks creepy. And I feel like this letter will probably tell us. So this one says, Dear Spencer. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I have been a fan of Cult Leader and Obituary since I've heard about it from the lovely ladies of Morbid. I am writing because on Cult Leader, there was an episode of The Little Leader that someone wrote in about a mental institution in Waltham, I believe it was. I was listening to it recently. Well, it got me thinking of growing up in the town of Danvers, Massachusetts. As a kid growing up there, we always had heard of our state mental institution in town. It was tucked away on a large hill surrounded by trees as not to be seen. I just gotta say, I love your handwriting and I gotta say I love all these handwritten handwritten letters I we've been getting. die for them. Oh, imagine them in our fucking scrapbook. In our scrapbook, but do you know how much longer it takes to handwrite and someone sitting there handwriting means like the world to me. Same. I appreciate it because, and I get not everyone has great penmanship, so totally. please don't feel like you need to do that, but I just I, it feels so classic to me. It totally does. I believe it closed down during the 1980s and had security at some point as to not let anyone drive up there to party or prowl around. The buildings were decaying over the years. It was in the very early 2000s that someone got the great idea of building condos up there. 
They kept the front part of the building structure and built off of it, and also built other condos around the land. There's too much bad mojo up there for me to be interested in living up there, and it's said to be haunted. Well, yeah. Yeah. I've been up in the area before it closed and shortly after, as well as after the condos went in. There's also a cemetery in the ground, still tucked away somewhere, of all the residents who lived there, well, as an institution. As far as I was told... The grave sites have just a number on the stone marker. Fun fact for Miss Gravestone marker yeah. over here. But the best part is they made a movie up there after it was closed. I think it was released in 2001. It was a B-rated horror movie with David Caruso in it. Yes, the David Caruso, LOL. <laughs> but with all the cheesiness, it has its cult following for those of us who grew up in Danvers. Ooh, is that what the movie is? Well, about? I would, I don't, I would assume. I'm like, no, she sent over fucking Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I now live in New Hampshire, but remember my hometown fondly. I am sending you and Madison a copy of the movie. (gasps) Yes! I am mentioned! Not sure if the two of you have ever seen it. Okay, so it's called Session 9. I've never seen it. Session 9. Ooh! I hope not so enjoy a true fan, Lauren. My gosh, Lauren, thank you! Lauren! This is... Okay, I'm obsessed with this. P.S. I believe it, it has two or three alternate endings, too. As well, watch the extras on it. There's interviews with the actors, and one part is called The Haunted Palace. It Ooh. is worth the watch. <gasps> Do we get to have a movie night now? Yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Lauren. That is so nice. That is so nice. So thoughtful. I can't believe you literally sent us the movie. You're the best. The best. Thank you so much. I'm excited. We'll report back to you. The movie says it looms up out of the woods like a dormant beast, grand, imposing, abandoned, and deteriorating. The Danvers State Mental Hospital closed down for 15 years and is about to receive five new visitors. (laughs) It actually looks good. And here's the thing. We are always looking for recommendations for scary movies and stuff. Movies. Because we will... our dumbasses will sit there for two hours trying to find something to watch, like an old couple, and then we're like, oh, let's just watch The Strange Addiction with the Lady Ada Ashes yeah. again. <laughs> Which is equally as good. Thank you guys so much for sending Thank stuff. We'll continue guys. reading them on the show because you guys seem cool with it. And we are just always so grateful and appreciative if you want to send. We sense- are those kids that like, did you ever have a friend where Christmas morning they would call you and be like, I got this, 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 <laughs> yeah. this. We're going to tell you guys what we got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have stuff you want to send us, you can send it to Spencer Henry and Madison Reyes, P.O. Box 18149, Long Beach, California, 90807. God, we're just fucking blessed with the best. I'll, I'll never get over it. I know we probably say it all the time, but I'll never get over how lucky we are. It's insane. Bitch, are you kidding me? I am like, who the fuck am I? I'm getting this? Oh my god. Oh my god. The it's best geoffs in the world. You can also follow along online on Instagram and Twitter at obituarypod. Write to us obitpod at gmail.com but do not sign up for dating websites. And I think that wraps it up. I think it wraps it up. We'll see you next week but then we'll also hopefully see you in person at our live show. August 4th. Irvine Improv. We'll it's see a you Thursday. there. We'll see you there. <laughs> it's a Thursday. Thursdays are cool. We were just talking about how cool 
cool they are. Yeah, it's the Friday's Friday. It's Friday Eve. Come on. Come on, you can do it. Oh, God. Well, that's it for this week. We've spun in our coffins. We bitched our obituaries. Dumb, dark criminals. <laughs> and Madison's eyes are rolling into the back of her head right now. <laughs> we have done taste tests. Oh, my God. God. Oh, let's get back to the kitchen. The food's getting cold. We'll see you guys next time. Some more coffin spinners. Obituaries. And dumb ass criminals. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.